During crisis and economic depression, small business owners often struggle with making sales and keeping the loyalty of their people because if you ain't selling, it's hard to pay the bills. On the Ethical Sales Podcast, you will learn new ways to selling ethically and communicating with your people to create more loyalty and getting out of the rut of stress and frustration. When there is plenty of sales, there should be plenty of profits to keep things flowing smoothly and everybody be happy, happy, happy. Today, the topic's going to be on sales, losing sales, losing sales. How can you keep from losing them? Obviously, you're not going to win them all and you don't necessarily want to win them all. How can you stack the odds in your favor to win more of those jobs instead of letting your competitors take them away from you? Well, we all know you got to be the cheapest in price, right? Oh, definitely. Cheapest always wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're listening and, uh, you want to stack the odds in your favor, just make sure you're the cheapest bidder always, you know, then you'll kind of be, normal like most people most guys think that the cheapest guy is gonna have the odds in his favor but um doesn't really work like that not saying you'll never have a customer that is looking for that but that's not really the customer you're looking for that's right i don't know how many times i've gotten phone calls over the last 10 years and guys are complaining about that man if they could just be a little bit cheaper on their price they could up their sales and most times when you dive into the subject of how they're handling the bid process meeting their customer all those things when we get done talking, they say, oh, maybe my price wasn't the problem. You have to be fair with your price. I'm not saying that you can just go price you know, out the roof and it doesn't really matter. But the truth is um, you have to offer your services at a fair price because you can't go rip your customers off. But um, if you're going to make your price do the selling, you're going to be sadly disappointed. I've always said, you know, I'd rather have the customer ask me why I'm priced higher than why I'm priced lower. Because when the customer asks, why are you a thousand or five or ten thousand dollars more than your competitor? Um, it actually gives you an opportunity to sell your value. Right. And we've had times that we've done that in our space, in our industry, that we've been, you know, considerably higher than the mm-hmm. next guy beating apples to apples yep. against our competitor. We've had those conversations. Well, here's why we're higher. There's definitely uh, interactive ways to get your client, your customer to, you know, actually sell himself on why he would pay you more, you know, by asking simple questions like, if my price was the same as you, as you know, his price, which, which of us would you hire and why? And more times naturally, just because you're a higher price, typically, um, even if it's apples to apples, most of the time that customer gravitates towards that higher price, if it was the same price. Um, and he'll tell you why, because of this and this and this, and just keep asking, tell me why else. And sell them on the difference of the price. If it's a thousand dollars or ten thousand, whatever the difference in price is, you're not trying to sell them on the whole fifty thousand dollars. You're trying to sell them on the, you know, just that two thousand dollars or whatever that you were your higher price, and say, hey, you're going to spend fifty or fifty two. You said you like it because of this and this and this. I would recommend you spend the two grand more or ten grand and get what you want. Get get what you want, right? So there's ways to combat that. Getting him involved. That is something that a lot of salespeople do think that if they can be a little bit lower in their price, they could sell a lot more. When um, I feel the reality is just up what you're selling, up your value add, up, um, you know, help make sure your customer understands what they're getting and why they're paying a premium price to be with you. We have a seminar that we do every spring for our contractors in Erie, Pennsylvania. We have a couple sons. They were probably seven, eight-ish at the time. They always love to sell t-shirts or hats or whatever to our group. And it's kind of their capitalistic time where they can capitalize on our contractors. They have cool t-shirts or something they're selling that they wait all year for that. Yeah. They love it. That's and they're their, always, Hey dad, when, when, day of the year, when are we doing that again? When are we, you know, when can I make some money? 
some years ago, I asked him, I said, uh, you're going to sell t-shirts. It was the first time I said, um, how are you going to sell these? What are you going to say? Somebody walks up to your table. What's the conversation you're going to have with them? You're just going to say, you want to buy a shirt or what? And so we had the conversation. He was like, oh, I don't know, dad. And so we had the conversation and I kind of explained it to him. Tried to explain to him that the sale starts when you get a no. You really don't need sales skills with a yes, but what if somebody says no? What are you just going to say? Okay, see ya. I said, if somebody says no, here's what you say. Here's how you ask. Here's what you, how you respond. And I explained it to him. He got it. He understood it. The morning that we were leaving to go to the, to the event, it was like five o'clock in the morning and your two sons were in the back with my son. I just overheard them have a conversation and Branson, my son asked your sons, he said, how are you guys going to sell a shirt? And I guess you hadn't had that conversation with him. Branson looks at him and pulled somewhere. He pulls this out of his own pocket. He says, well, Austin had an idea first. Well, I guess he did. I forgot. Yeah. Austin had an idea. And he said, well, he said, uh, get your free t-shirts here. So yeah, I guess he was going to give them away. Yeah. And Branson just popped up and says, if you don't have something special to say, people aren't going to buy from you. And I thought, oh, that's really good. If you don't have something special to say, people aren't going to buy from you. And I've used that story over and over in some of our training with some of our managers to explain that you have to have something special to say. How are you going to stand out? How are you going to be unique selling the same product that somebody else is? How can you explain it in a way that your competitor doesn't explain it? How can you separate yourself? How can you get a oh, wow, I've never heard about this before from your customer, even if he's seen the exact product. How can you separate yourself? And so we kind of come up with some ways in our industry to do that. And I'd encourage you to do that in your space. How can you separate yourself in your space? How can you explain your product or your service in a way that gets the customer to say, oh, wow, I've never heard of this problem being solved this way. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I will give you money for that. I was going to Pittsburgh to help one of my contractors out. Before I got there, I think we were talking on the phone. He said the, the client or potential client that we're going to meet, he's a jerk. He said he talked to somebody that worked at the, at the place. I think it might have been how he got the lead was through a connection. He said, this guy's a jerk. And uh, he's like, how are we going to deal with this guy? I've learned years ago that amateurs think it's all about your product professionals know it's about the people. And when you understand how to work with people, there's no guessing because you have a system of how am I going to treat this guy when I show up? Um, what am I going to do that makes him like me and makes him trust me? Because you've got to remember, guys, where there's a relationship, you have an influence. And we were sitting here before the podcast talking a little bit about this. And you know, I just made the comment. I said, if you're selling a $40 item on eBay, maybe that's not so true because you don't ever get a relationship, much of any relationship with your, with your customer if you're selling an item on eBay. But if you're selling a high ticket item, it's like a roof or uh, uh, maybe you're selling a pool. Maybe you're a pool guy and you sell pools or, or you're doing some kind of a service business that these people saved up money for that they're going to trust you with to do that project. You're, you're going to have to build some kind of relationship. And oftentimes that builds influence. And so when we got there, um, we met Dean. And my first thought when I saw Dean was he doesn't really look like a jerk. He looks like a nice guy. And he even offered his coffee. He's like, hey, you guys want some coffee or something before we go to the meeting room? I'm like, sure, I want some coffee. And he's like, you want anything in your coffee? And I said, I'd like some cookies. I stole that from you. I said, I like some cookies from a coffee. And he laughs and he thought that was funny. And I think he might even gave us a couple of cookies. And so we go in and we sit down at the table and the project we were 
bidding that day was, I think it was about $125,000 project. Um, we sat down. I did what I always do. And I just asked him, what is it you guys do here? Before we jump in and talk about me, because you have to reverse that process. Most salespeople will, will go in and they'll talk about themselves, how good they are, what all they've done in the past and how great their products are. And even though you want to cover some of those things, that's not what you're going to go focus on. That'll come up and that you'll talk about that. 100% of the time, I want to go in there and I want to ask them, what is it they do there? We're doing commercial roof restoration. It's interesting, the factories we get into, all the products that you see, you see getting made. And they made some kind of a, a siding that was a much higher quality siding than what you could buy conventionally. For the next 15 minutes, he showed us samples of his siding. He showed us all the pieces that they make and the fancy trim they make, how thick it was. It doesn't fade. They got all these houses in Arizona that they've been head siding on for five years and it shows no fading. You can pressure wash it because the color goes all the way through. Um, they have it down in Florida in high hurricane areas. They've had hurricanes, you know, winds 120 miles an hour that hasn't took their siding off. And he was telling me like for 10, 15 minutes, he's telling us all about the quality of their product. I listened to him for that entire time. I let him speak about himself. And through that, he talked about how long he worked for the company and all that. When he was all done, he said, you guys have your bids here. So I asked him, I said, how versed are you with our product? Do you have any questions about what we're doing? Um, because you want to find out where your client is at in the sales process. Like how sold is he on your system? Do you need to go into all the details or, or has he done his own research? And he says, oh no, I've watched the videos. He said, I think you have a great product. You have a great system. I've been on the website. He said, I'd just like to see your prices. And we had actually walked the roof prior to the meeting. I pulled out a folder, gave him the folder, pulled out a competitor's bid, and he laid it beside ours. And he said, you guys are within $10,000 of each other. And on a project that size, you know, 10000 bucks that ain't much. They're probably not going to make a decision based on the $10,000. They're going to make a decision based on you and your system. So the question he asked us, the very next thing he said, he said, I don't really need you to talk about your product. He said, I'm already sold on your system. But he said, why would I change from a system we're already happy with? He said, you guys are doing a restoration over the existing roof. He said, I have another uh, crew that can come in here and they do an ISO board and they do TPO right over that roof. Why would I change from a crew I'm happy with, a product I've been happy with for the last three, four years, to switch into you guys? He said, you seem like you have a great system. He said, you guys seem like nice guys, but I don't really know. Why would I change? In my first two or three years, I would have went into, you know, telling him how much better our roof is than that other roof. Ours is going to last longer. It's renewable at the end of its life. It's got a better warranty. Like I'd have went into all that. We've learned, you know, you're not going to sell a Ford downing a Chevy. It's just not going to work that way. And all I said to him was, I said, well, you would use our roof for the very same reason I would buy your siding and not go to Home Depot. And he just kind of blinks and he looks and he says, that's a good answer. He says, if I sign a contract, when would you get started? And we got that job. That very same day, an hour and a half later, we were at another call. And that guy was extremely hard to read. He was cold, sat down with him. And we'd actually been on that roof again prior. We'd not met the guy, but we walked the roof and put bids together. And now we had a meeting with the guy. And he was just cold. First thing he says when we got there, do you have your bids? I'd like to see your bids. Well, I don't like pulling out a bid when I show up. Like just that's the first thing we do. I love to build a bit of relationship, talk about what they do there. Uh, because remember, relationships carry influence. We'll probably beat the tar out of that saying because it is so important. So you have to build a little bit of a relationship with them. 
And so it just went against my grain to pull out that bid and say, oh, here's the bid. There's the numbers. So, um, but I did. That's what he asked for. And so he sat down for probably two minutes. There was silence. He just was looking at the numbers. The time was right. He pushed his chair back. And again, it's a process. It's a process. So he pushes his chair back. And a question I love asking people is, what do you like doing when you're not here at work? What do you like doing for fun? And it was just the timing was right. And I said, hey, I said, before we just jump into more of this roof, I said, what is it you like doing for fun? Because uh, people think you're really nice when you let them talk. And so I just asked him that question. He had golf clubs up on the wall. He had pictures of old cars. So I presumed that's what he liked doing. And he just grinned. For the first time he grinned, he pushed his chair back and he goes, golfing. And for 10 minutes, we talked about golf. Um, he told us, of course, as he played, how well he played on some of those courses. And then he says cars. And he tells us about two of his cars that he had restored and he had pictures on the wall of his cars. And without missing a beat, he literally goes, I'm going to have you guys do this roof. We literally spent not even one minute talking about that roof up to that point. And he had done his research. He was the kind of guy that had done his research. I asked him a very simple question and let him talk about himself. And in selling, you have to do that. You have to reverse what most people do. Most people are going to go in there. They're going to talk about themselves. They're going to talk about their families. They're going to talk about their business. You have to reverse that process if you want influence with people. Let them talk about themselves. Take interest in them. And you'll be surprised how much influence you'll gain with them when you let them talk about themselves. It's actually a lot easier to sell that way than it is the opposite way. It the way that everybody, pressure. the way that most people try, you know, when you, when you think you have to know everything about your product, you have to, you have to tell them everything about your product and your company and your services. It's a lot simpler to go in there and show interest, show them how you fix yep. their problem and shut up. That takes you a lot further. Now, I always like to use the analogy because I think we all get this. If you go on your first date, you got this pretty girl you're on a date with and you sit down and you tell that girl all about yourself, all about your qualities, all about how good you are at this and how good you are at that. You're the product that she's dating and you tell them all about you. You'll be just like the last guy she went on a date with. Do you think you're going to get another date? Probably not. Probably not. But if you sit down with her and you just show her interest in herself. That's right. And guess what? If she has questions about you, she'll ask those and give her those chances. Don't just offer a lot of that information. And I can almost guarantee you the more interest you show in her, you spend all night just talking about her and her interests, what she likes. Finding where you have some common ground. That's good marriage advice too. And you ask her for a second date. Guess what? You're probably going to get it. Or you ugly guys out there. This is how you do it. That's how you see the ugly guy with the pretty girl. <laughs> yep. Every time. That's He's exactly right. He's figured, He's it, figured out. it out. He just showed interest. She's, a, she's like, I've heard girls say this. I know he isn't that nice. Uh, it's saying a marriage I mean, podcast, he, he doesn't look He doesn't look that preach. great, but he's really nice. Yep. I've heard girls say that. And they date him and they marry him. The same girl that said that married him. Okay. It's because he was nice to her. That's be nice to the girl. That's how you're nice to him. I like using that analogy because we typically, we get that. We get yeah. that in our dating process. We're, we've been married. I've been married for 10 years. You've been married. We're not married. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been married for 10 years and you've been married for what? 12 years? Yeah, and we married sisters. And um, so we're not in the dating game, except we do date our wives. 
we yeah. have this, we have Continue this, to pursue your life, right? Yeah, we have this thing That's that right. every other week I take care of his kids. He takes care of it or we yeah. do. And, um, we just have a night off and we're like a couple teenagers. We go out to eat and we just, I don't know. Last night we did it. We, we let, we what did you do? Uh, golfing. Oh, is that yeah. what you did? Yeah. All right. Yep. Curious. Back on the subject. But that's good. But after you get 10 that. years? After 10 years? Yeah. You guys still got it going on? Oh, yeah. See, most guys, what they do is they get married. And they check the box. Done. I got I think, her. Now I what else the, can I pursue? That's why God made women in a way that men can't ever figure them out. But men get frustrated because they think they put the women in the category just like everything else you do in life. FYI, when you figure you something you out, you tend to something. lose interest. Right. You figure something out and you tend to lose interest. Think about something that you've really mastered and learned and think about how much more it had your attention when you were actually pursuing it That's or right. trying to figure it out. Then God, you, right. I've had things, I could name all kinds of things in my life that I've done that I still love to do, but it's not, I'm not as passionate about it now because I know all, I've figured right. it out. I think God and all his wisdom made women in a way that men can't really figure out. So because anyway, figured out that, Hey, hang on, I'm preaching. You are? Yeah. Cause I'm fired up. Us men get, when we figure something out, we tend to get bored with it. And I think God and all his wisdom made women in a way that we can't figure out. Because we don't get bored with it. But we often put our wives in a category that we think we have to figure out. And I think we all do ourselves a huge favor if you put her in the category of pursuing. Like you pursued to get her, now you're going to have to pursue to keep her. Yeah, I'll throw this in there. Right? Probably the best marriage video I've ever watched is a guy by the name of Mark Gunger. You might have heard of him. He has a YouTube video, just like two hour video. The tale of two brains. Every person, married couple, or if you're thinking about getting married, you need to watch this. I guarantee you it could have saved a lot of marriages if people yep. would have watched it, but it's called the tale of two brains. It really helps you understand how women think compared to how men think. And when you understand that, you get that. And there's a lot of things that there's a crazy cycle that men and women can go into. And when you understand it, um, how things work, you, you, you tend to curb those crazy cycles and those crazy cycles tend to get worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I thought we had all this in common, but we don't, we're better off not living together and you get a divorce and that happens over and over and over and over and over. But anyway, the tale of two brains, go check it out. Yep. Funniest video you ever watched, but it's incredible. About two years ago, I had at one meeting I was doing, I had two different men tell me at that meeting, the one guy said, I came from divorce court today. He looked whooped. And he looked wore out. <laughs> and the other guy said, I think my marriage is headed there too. And it has since then. And on the way home, both of those guys have children on the way home. I literally could have pulled off the side of the road and cried for both those guys because it's so sad. And both of those guys said the same thing. We figured out after 12, 15 years, we're just not compatible. And they believed the lie that they're going to go find some other woman that's more compatible than them. They're too ignorant to understand the, the reason they can, they're not they compatible. quit pursuing their wives. They yeah. quit doing fun things. Their with focus their wives. was on themselves, not their the focus was on their business and themselves. And it's a sad day when you build a business to $10 million and you lose your marriage. That's a sad day. The very reason why you started your business was to have time with the ones that you love and do the things that you want to do. But yet so many people spend most of their time building what they think it is that's going to make them happy. There's so many people that believe that somebody else is more compatible than them because um, they quit pursuing their wives or they put their, I believe they put their wives in a category that they have to figure it out and check the box like they do everything else. And the truth is you have to continue to pursue. That's why you love golf. That's why you love fishing. That's why you love hunting. That's why you love things that challenge you every day. We just have to put our, our marriages in the same category and continue to like you know, spend time 
you go out in the golf course and you'll golf for an hour every day. You'll go beat balls because you just got to get your drive more perfected. Treat your marriage the same way. Treat your business the same way. It's no difference. You know, everything good is uphill, but we tend to put those things in the same category and we want to check it off and, and move on. But I believe that God in all his wisdom created wives or women in a way that men can't figure it out. But we get frustrated because we put them in a category that we think we have to figure them out. But it's pursuit. I'm not sure how the sales podcast turned into a marriage seminar, but hey, that's great. Uh, some content that might help you. Hopefully it helps you but, yeah, where but you're at in life. we're talking about working with people. Yeah. That's and what we're talking it's, about. All, it's all the same thing, yeah. you know, really. It's the way fit. you work with yep. your family, the way you yep. work with your wife is the way you should be working with your but clients. But that's why a lot of people struggle in sales is because they have a bad family They put it in life. a separate category. They put it in a separate ca- uh, category, but selling is all about relationships. And if you can't build good relationships with the people that you love and you live with, then you're going to really struggle building good relationships with the people that are the most important in your life. Or if you're going to struggle building good relationships with the people in your life that are the most important to you, you're going to struggle building good relationships with the people um, outside of that, you know, that you're trying to sell jobs to, that you're trying to do projects for. You might make the sale, but then the sale goes bad over the course of the project because you didn't have the character. You know, the charisma might've got you to the sale, but the character is what keeps you a customer. Remember, amateurs believe it's about the product. Professionals know it's about the relationships and the people they're doing business with. Thanks again for listening to Ethical Sales Podcast with the Raber Twins. Could you do us a huge favor? We're giving away over $1,000 in prizes during the podcast launch. Simply go to ethicalsales.com, then leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to ethicalsales.com. Again, thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. This episode was hosted by the Max Potential Podcast Network. Find more great shows at maxpotential.com.